0: So this is a nice song from one of the songbooks of Tarkubhuti Vinod. Srinam. The title. He says, Gai Gaur Madhu Sware." He says that you know, in, in Madhu, in a honey-like voice. Sweet voice. Gosundar Sri Chaitanya sings Gai Madur Sware. So he envisions Chaitanya Mahaprabhu singing. We can just imagine in a very sweet voice, not like ours. <laughs> and what is he singing? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hari Ram, Hari Ram, 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 Hari, Hari. This takes us into the beautiful pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that are so feelingly uh, recorded, reported, written about and envisioned by Vrindavan Das Thakur and his Chaitanya Bhagwat. Chaitanya Bhagwat very much excels, we could say, in, in uh, opening up for us a, a huge window into the the uh, life in Leela of Chaitanya Mahabharata in, in Nadia, in Navadvip, Before he left Navadweep to take sannyas and all such unmentionable things hmm, from the point of view of the inhabitants of Navadweep, that of course is very problematic, although it's good for us and it gives us a chance to enter in there. But about that place, which is in uh, some respects the ideal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as much as it's thought to be by the majority of Gaudiya Vaishnavas to be a, a kind of a lotus within the lotus of Koloka, hmm? Gorlila, is eternally. Going on there, you've seen a picture that Prabhupada commissioned, I think. Um, I don't think he painted it, but he commissioned it, of on his original Bhagavatam, cover to his Srimad Bhagavatam. And there is a, there's like a, a sky of Brahman and so many Lokas, planets of Vaikuntha. In the center is the whirl of a lotus, and in there is Radha and Krishna. And gopas and gopis and if you look carefully inside there a little deeper you see and there's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performing kirtan so this is uh, we think to be an, an eternal moment that manifests on earth from time to time that moment in Krishna Lila that is so deep and so central to the Lila uh, that gives rise to the uh, Gorlila. So, while Gorlila is thought to bring us into Krishna lila, if we look deeply within Krishna lila, we find ourselves in Gorlila. Krishna said, "It napariyam niravadu Yutam, I cannot repay the gopis and Radhika for the kind of love that they show here in Rasa lila, and given who He is, taster of Rasa. He's paying tribute to their ability to taste rasa. And in the context of paying, paying tri- tribute to it, he wants to taste it. If you understand Krishna, then you understand. He has to taste that. So there must be a gore Leela. Hmm. There must be a Leela in which he does somehow. So this is the idea. And so in that Leela, that Leela's. The, that is eternally manifest. Besides, the lila it manifests here and disappears, and so forth, from time to time. Which is eternally manifest is the Navadvi lila so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There, we know from Chaitanya Bhagavat, he asked his students to chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Ram Hare Hare, and he called this the Mahamantra. It's a Mahamantra, but It's not a mantra in the ordinary sense of the term. There's no petition in the mantra. Hmm. And the words are not in the dative case, which would be part of petitioning, Hmm. Uh, but rather in the vocative case. And they're all... um, All the words are names. Hare, Krishna, and Ram. So, given its structure then there are uh, arguably no restrictions on chanting it like there are with other mantras or or conditions. Hmm? So anywhere and everywhere. And he uh, spoke to that effect when he uh, uh, asked his uh, his students to chant this maha-mantra. So here he says, very sweetly, Gaur is chanting, Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hari 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 Ram Hare Ram Ram Ram, Ram Hare Hari taken there to envision that. Then Grihe Thaku thako, Sada Hari Bole Dako. He speaks of the strength of Nam Kirtan and really in comparison to which is so central to Bhakti in Kali Yuga. Kirtan, as we know, is a, is an anga or a limb of Bhakti. As I've said before, it's not a limb of Astanga Yoga. It's not a limb of the Gyan Marg. Hmm? They have their own limbs or uh, principal practices. Kirtan is not one of them. This is not a s- sectarian statement. <laughs> you can go and study for yourself and see what are the there's. Uh, Nastangi Yoga, Yamani, Yama, Asana, um, Pranayam, pratihar Dharna, Dhyan, Samadhi. Hmm? The kirtan is not mentioned there. So, it's, it's, it's uh, one of the Angas of Bhakti and it's very central in Kali Yuga. It's thought to be the Dharma or the prim- primary um, practice that has the most efficacy. In Kali Yuga. Indeed, it's it's so strongly stated in the text that, uh, for example, we have the famous statement, Harinam, Harinam, Harinam eva Kevalam, Kolo, Nasteva, 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 gatiranyata, Thad, that um, Harinam, by Harinam, by Harinam, by Harinam, only <laughs> Kevalam, only by Harinam, only by Harinam, only by Harinam. Nasteva, nasteva, nasteva. Not by, not by, not by. Nasteva, hmm? nasteva, nasteva, ghatiranjata. Not by any other method. Of, not by karma, not by jnana, not by yoga. Unto themselves. If they are to be combined with bhakti, then they have some efficacy. Hmm? One might think then, what is the efficacy of bhakti? Unto herself. Hmm? And, and, uh, and the kirtan, and this is it's, it's, it's that in Kali Yuga, this Harinam Kirtan, ha, ka, Kalo Nasteva Nasteva. In Kali Yuga, Nasteva Nasteva Nasteva. So the practices, other practices may be more effective at other times. But in Kali Yuga, this is the Dharma of the age. Hmm? And so its efficacy, in one sense, is mentioned here, in that other um, transcendental paths. Um, sadhanas like yoga and jnana, for example, they have uh, requirements for their practice. Um, yoga Sutra um, uh, mentions of its yamas and niyamas, attendant things that should be accepted and those which should 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 not. Brahmacharya. In the Gita, the same is mentioned in the sixth chapter where astanga yoga is discussed that is a tall order and just to just to practice of course people practice yoga but they don't practice brahmacharya and they get very creative uh, definitions of the of the term and so forth but <clears throat> same holds true with Gyan, which requires a certain degree of purification of heart that nishkam karma hmm, action without attachment to the fruits uh, brings about in due course. That path, this Kam Karma Yoga, does not lead to perfection. It leads to jñāna. Which then can, if mixed with sambhakti, can lead to a form of perfection. So the point here, what is that I'm making, is that it is banetako. Whether you're a householder or you're a Bane. bane means living in the forest, it means like a sannyasi, then taku, if we, whether, whether, whether you live there, grihe taku, bane taku, in either of these places, he says, sada hari bole taku, just uh, chant the holy name. The implication is always chant um, uh, hari. The implication is that, and as we know from the teaching, this kind of restriction is not placed. On bhakti, this is speaks then to us of the efficacy of bhakti, that it doesn't, that uh, it it has the power to enter into the place of the world, if you will. I mean, that's where the world is made, in the household, the world is made. It uh, it goes on, um, it sh- should be restrained to there, um, and and it, and it goes on, it's perpetuated. So. Um, to be in the midst of that situation and have a practice that can not only afford one release from the world, but very extraordinary attainment, otherworldly attainment as well, beyond liberation, prajna, prayojan. This is the ideal of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Such a practice is arguably very um, extraordinary and powerful again the other practices it's repeatedly stated through the Gita the Bhagavad and other places require this um, ingress of bhakti to be effective so that's another point we've discussed it but with this regard he says whether a householder or sannyasi one can uh, simply chant the holy name and the implication is make make progress the idea of course is to find one's um, place comfortable position with which uh, to serve from. Hmm? Of course, it can't be abused to say, well, it's as a mir- your householder or sannyasi. You have to put the rest of it together. You have to always chant <laughs> to be fully engaged and so forth. Even Prabhupada coined a phrase, the householder brahmacharis, referring to couples that didn't, um, weren't pursuing family life and and children, hmm, but only bhakti together and with some form of companionship to have strength to, um, to tread the path. So this combination, as I say, between man and woman makes the world go around. If you can have the combination and, and not not only not have the world go around, but turn your house, uh, your 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 tent, your 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 cave or whatever. Into, into Goloka Vrindavan. Another song, Raki says that, Griheta Goloka hmm. I saw my house turn into Goloka Vrindavan. Hmm. He had 12 children. So, it's possible. Sukeduke Duke, he says. And it's part of life. Sukeduke, Duke. Happiness and distress are going to come to make their uh, ingress. We should try to seek some balance knowing as happy as it gets, naturally speaking, it's as sad as it can get, uh, and, and so forth. So rather than riding these waves or letting them ride us, we, we ride them and keep a steady balance. Hmm? What is that, he says? Always chant. In happiness or distress, uh, chant Harinam. Hmm? And um, he says, just fill your mouth with Harinam. No problem. Maya jale hoye, you are bound up in the net. Maya jale, like a, a fisherman's net. Hmm? You're in the water and bound up in a net on top of that. Hoye, and you labor, God, you work just uh, fruitlessly. Hmm? This is the typical life. He said, but ekono chetana pe now you have... Now you have chetana, you have consciousness. It means you have self awareness as a human being. This is very extraordinary and within nature to have arrived at this position. So, hmm, being self aware hmm, that uh, that you exist and self conscious and so forth, develop that idea fully to its potential by chanting Radham out of Nam. Hmm? This life uh, will end hmm? uh, shortly. And if you have not worshipped the Hrishikesh, the lord of the senses, it's lost. Bhakti of gives his instruction. He says, Bhaktivinoda Upadesh, rasimata. Please, one time, just try to taste the sweetness of this chanting. So, I wanted to just open the floor for questions tonight from anyone on any subject. Any question On this point of taste, Sri um, Ramiraj says that any kind of taste for the name of a bhakti which is which is coming about, but not from the stage of nishtha, so it's like a bit of a token taste. He said it's just, it's just treacherous, treacherous. So elaborate I'd have to see the context for that. Um, I get the, the context, I get the feeling it kind of meaning uh, uh, it's duplicitous or misleading. Well it's not reliable mm-hmm. um and I suppose you can talk about it from different angles. One angle would be that it's that that it's 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 very encouraging that there such a prospect is is there and you get uh, such a glimpse and so forth. Without which how will we go forward? Just on the faint faint of some strength of some philosophy and so, uh, we, we say Shastra is the ultimate praman or evidence in other words if I if I want to weigh in on the topic and I say this is what the Gita says so there's a standard of knowledge hmm. we go okay well then at least in our circle then that's final hmm. it might be we might apply it in slightly different ways and so forth but
1: um,
0: uh, that is uh, evidence coming from uh, a plane Beyond reason, we can get evidence from our senses as to the nature of reality, but they can deceive us, and they're imperfect. We get we can reason about our experience, and and that is also a way of knowing. But reasoning is not always complete. You could see smoke coming from the mountain and say there's a fire because where there's smoke there's fire but the fire could have been put out also put water on it still there's smoke coming so reasoning is is, uh, is, can't bring us to conclusive truth Hmm. and for any reasoning there's another reasoning and so forth Tarko Pratishdana it is said in the sutras reasoning one gets nowhere Hmm. unto itself Hmm. Because you hear the debates, you know, you hear one side, you hear the other side. Like, that was pretty good. That's pretty good, too. <laughs> it's a, so what, what causes one to take one side or the other side is not really reasoning. Hmm? It's a certain emotional and psychological uh, disposition that causes one to accept one side of the debate or the other, you know, the theistic or the atheistic, the, the, um, the um, one, one, one or the other, usually. Um, I mean, there are a number of issues like that, I should say. So, So um, beyond then reasoning, you have the idea of revelation. So, I've often said, well, for perfect, knowing we need a perfect method, so, if the, that which we are choosing, trying to understand, reveals itself to us, if it's alive... Then we can know, and said, if you love someone, then they'll tell you all their secrets. So, by loving them, you can, and being a lover, then the world will reveal its secrets. So, revelation, and then t- texts like the Gita are prominent uh, forms of revelation. The principle being that that there are, there is insight about the nature of being that comes from beyond reasoning, and uh, and makes itself available to us. So that's said to be the ultimate pramana. But to take another step, we, we would, can say also that experience is the ultimate pr- pramana. In other words, I've evidenced the Gita says this, and you may be convinced and think, well, that's re- interesting, I like their philosophy, I want to be part of that, and so on and so forth. But when you apply yourself with regard to that, and you get some taste, some experience that's just like different than... Anything else, you know, well, I'm in the right place here. This is this is this is very confirming, hmm? um, and so glimpses like that, if you will, are what keep the 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 uh, um, the novice going. A little taste like that I can keep it going for a long time, even if the taste doesn't come again. And when it does, it's so confirming. The idea, of course, is by practice that the taste becomes, in time, more readily available and and, um, and constant. But at that stage, it's 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 reliable, and the previous stage just comes and goes. Hmm? Um, so, from speaking about it in that way, obviously, it's it seems very auspicious and treacherous. Would not be. <laughs> The word to 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 describe it. It's what it's what keeps us involved. It's a kind of a knowing, tasting, knowing. It's just like I said, you can analyze the honey in the jar, but until you taste it, you don't really know what honey is. Hmm. Um, so you can have a jar and say this is really sweet, and you could be convinced by many many vantage points, but tasting it then. And that's why taste re- requires other means of knowing hmm? and bhakti is ultimately driven by taste hmm? rather in, in the full sense of the term, and it leads to an, a gan shunya bhakti bhakti without the need for knowing and rag bhakti is characterized in terms of sadhana like this because Uh, One doesn't care whether the scripture says, one doesn't need the scripture to say, you should do this, you should serve Krishna. He he has a taste for that, so she's just going with that, hmm? driven by that. So it's such a powerful means of knowing, if you will, that other means of knowing, even Shastra. retired doesn't mean that the ragvaktas don't follow the Shastra, they follow the Shastra in terms of it's the the, the path of raga that is detailed there but the driving force in that ultimately is the taste or attachment to the person who has the taste that that uh, uh, enables us to tag along so to speak on the path before we can walk it and run it olympically olympically uh, our ourselves Hmm? so so again, from that point of view, the taste is hardly treacherous, but perhaps what he means there is that because it's not reliable, hmm, um, we may think, today I have a taste, everything is, everything is ecstasy, the name is ecstasy, the class is ecstasy, the prashadam is ecstasy, I've arrived hmm, to see my position, hmm, and then tomorrow it's, it's disappeared. Something like that. So, um, that uh, maybe from that point of view, the fact that there's a stage where it's unreliable, then um, you may also think of it as the maybe perhaps as the idea that religious experience is one thing, religious life is another spiritual experience is one thing spiritual life is another so um, we want the spiritual life that will ultimately immerse us in spiritual experience but we don't want uh, I want to say spiritual experience kind of independent of, of spiritual life it's kind of tricky because the real spiritual experience and consistent experience is in the spiritual life the lifestyle and so forth. Hmm? Um, you would have these fellows sometimes years ago in another mission that I was in, and they'd, they'd, they'd go from place to place whenever it got difficult to probably pack up their bag and go to the next temple and so forth and, and they were like always looking for the nectar or something like that but not uh, really taking the trouble. To, uh, to serve and surrender and so on and so forth, which makes for the, a platform of real spiritual life and consistent spiritual taste. So maybe something along uh, those lines that we, we do want spiritual experience, but we say it's not about spiritual experience, it's about spiritual life. We want to serve Krishna. So that's a byproduct of that. Hmm? You've got to get the serving ego kind of in place and really, if you do, then suke duke, it doesn't really matter, happiness or distress, because he, the idea is you're, you, 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 you're serving Krishna. So if that's your goal, and that's what you want to do. And it's difficult to serve, or it's easy to serve, or, or happiness comes in the context of serving, or distress comes in the context of serving. I've given an example of like Miguel here. You know, I say to him, you know, uh, I got work for you today. I, I, one day I told him I work for you. And I said, but it's, it's, you know, I mean, you're going to have to be digging ditches, you know, and I'm thinking, well, that's going to be hard, all these, he says, it doesn't matter. I work, that's what I do. If it's picking flowers, or it's digging ditches, it doesn't matter. One day it's one, one day it's another. So he has just a total, like, by the grace of God, I've got work, and this is what I do. I'm a laborer, it doesn't really matter. And labor tries to please the, the master, and, uh, so, if Swami's happy, then everything's good, you know. If I had to sweat for that, you know, or if I had to relax for that, it doesn't really matter. This is the something to learn from such such people. That's why they say, when you look at the Varnashram, you've got the four castes, you know, the Brahmins, the warrior, the Chatriya, the the, the the mercantile persons, and the laborers. Um, from a Vaishnava perspective, the laborers are the most ideal, hmm? And the laborers in India, they wear the sika like this. <laughs> all the rickshaw drivers and stuff like that. You think, oh, they're all devotees. You know? <laughs> they're laborers. Yeah. And, and, but they all they, so they got that part down. I work, that's what I do. All you have to do is say, here, work for Krishna. Here's your master. Simple. So that's the most desirable varna in one in one sense, the disposition hmm, that you find there of, of just serving hmm? so um, when we emphasize like this, then there's the, the the surety that you will come to consistent taste when we that's why, for example, great devotees sometimes conceal their ecstasy because people come because they oh this ecstasy. Yeah. But not for the teaching, and not for the for the the, the practice that uh, to be to be hear about to hear about. I'm going to give a they're very popular. You want to give a lecture on Krishna Leela, So many people come. be want to give a lecture from the Gita about uh, death of the ego and so forth? It will not have this as broad of an attendance. Hmm. So maybe something along those lines. He's he's saying um, we should. Pursue spiritual life, not spiritual experience, and spiritual experience. It's the secret is, is in the pursuit of, of real, um, meaningful uh, spiritual life. Otherwise, as I say, yeah, some taste will come, some abhas of bhava, hmm? and uh, bhakti rasa but This is a, this is a, this is a blessing. Oh, this opportunity. This gives some it would drive you, you know, I mean going in the right direction, yeah. Some encouragement. Mm. Does that help? What else? I have a
1: question. So sort of along the same line and the article that are wrote about eligibility not long ago. Mm-hmm.
0: inevitable stage of progress to be able to read and study and retain what you're reading, that that's a sign of your understanding or to be able to hold that a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. and I were talking as we were working this afternoon and, you know, he's a real verse guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I was having some admiration for that because I don't really have that and so I just wonder if that's, is that coming or is there such a thing as a devotee that doesn't necessarily get to have that but gets to be attached to someone who does, for example? Seems yeah, like or you could be attached to Krishna and not know any shlokas, <laughs> any verses, it's possible. But I think it's, uh, it's, to some extent, it's like speaking a language. At a certain point, the cumulative effect of being immersed in the language is that you find yourself speaking it and understanding it, and 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 Guru Maharaj is speaking and he quotes a verse and, you, and I've heard that and I and I remember that and that verse and and you start to feel more more comfortable and you're putting the pieces together and and so forth. Um, so I I think with with consistent hearing there is certainly um, as I say a cumulative effect similar to language learning where Suddenly you heard them speak, and you, you know what, exactly what they said. If you just get immersed in language, living in a culture you might have had the experience, then you feel like, "Wow, I understand what they said. You don't even think about it almost. It's, it's, so it, it starts to develop like that from consistent hearing and um, you know and trying to pay attention and so forth, and, and then then reading, because it's, there's a lot of repetition. We repeat it from different angles and with different examples and the same points may come up again, slightly differently placed with different analogies or so on and so forth. So after a while, there are certain themes that stand out and they just become part of you. Hmm? And you don't even realize it maybe until someone asks you a question or you have the opportunity to... Speak to someone and do and you find, I'm, well, I'm saying it myself. I mean, so it does develop like that. At the same time, some persons will be more um, prone to study the verses and retain them and, and be more interested in explaining to others and have a you know, tendency, propensity for that and so forth. And not others may not. Mm-hmm. and um, it doesn't mean that one who does is is a more progressive stage, necessarily. Uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsit Thakur was a very learned person, and his guru, Gaur Babaji, was illiterate. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know to what extent he was illiterate, but they say illiterate, which would mean... In our world, couldn't read or write, but he was um, the guru of a a scholar by by comparison. So he knew everything, hmm? but whether he knew so many verses, uh, I don't know. He knew he he knew essentially. hmm? But then again, I mean, there there is very much um, the likelihood that our progress will go by way of eventually becoming very acquainted with the scriptural arguments, statements, and so on and so forth. And in the next life you have a natural feel for them. Hmm? Natural feel for them. Um, So when speaking like that, the idea is something like, first you become, you learn the tattva, the siddhanta, then bhava. But then you meet people who have bhava and didn't learn the siddhanta. We say, they learned it in their last life. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, there's always the possibility of not learning the siddhanta and getting bhava, but uh, generally the way in which we we can reinforce our practice, our commitment, our faith and resolve and so forth is by hearing the scriptural argument that... Uh, Compelling, and so forth. Therefore, Rupa Goswami has described three levels of of eligibility, that and they all deal with levels of faith, and faith is tied to the scriptural argument, or faith in revelation and what it says. Those who have tender faith don't know the argument very well, and so it's tender. It may. It, it may um, It it, it, it may, you may plunge into doubt. Hmm? Hmm. Intermediate faith knows the argument well enough that faith is never shaken, but can't necessarily articulate it.
1: Hmm?
0: And then the superlative eligibility equips you, the point being better to tread the path is, being well well versed in the Scripture and being able to reason about it in, in, in ways that bring in, out insight and application of it in different times and places and so on and so forth, that person is is m- most uh, the best equipped to tread the path. So from that point of view, then the Scripture is very important, and knowing the argument it helps us to it helps uh, us to practice, to know what we're practicing, why we're practicing, have re- re- reason for that, hmm? support for that, and so forth. Um, and in the context of that, of course, hearing Shastra, you hear about the Krishna, so you get some some liking for for him. Liking will come in a particular way that will become the center of one's one's practice, and so forth. So, um, I, I, yeah, not everyone will be a s- scholar necessarily, and not everyone has a service that requires that. Um, but, uh, in, in due course, one will definitely become more familiar and more, uh, more able to retain, which I think is what you're kind of asking about, because a lot of the Buddhists read and they can't remember it, and it's kind of frustrating, you know. We keep reading, hmm? That what you, you know, your practice uh, will become part of you in due course. Listen to the lectures, read, and and prasparam to shantica Talk with other devotees, hmm? share notes and so forth. And gradually, it, it, yes, it, it does kind of become um, more part of your being and the ability to retain it's just like, in one sense, with anything. It's it's a little little different, because if you practice anything, well, you can you can remember it if you try hard enough and you make a make an effort at it. The, the nature of bhakti is a little bit different in that you you make your 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 best effort, but effort alone can, will never be successful. What happens in bhakti is Krishna sees this effort and then he says, "Oh, here," like this, and he 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 does the sadhana for you. This is the whole idea in the Dhammaralila. She made a great effort. The mother Yashoda to tie up Krishna.
1: Because
0: hmm? she didn't want him to run away after she had chastised him. Um, but in, in, but she couldn't. All the ro- ropes were too short. And then he agreed to be tied up. And it was possible. So Krishna actually at a certain point becomes attracted to the sadhaka. That he or she is, is earnest and so forth. So, I'll do this for him. He reveals himself. Hmm. He should know about bhakti. Hmm. If he wants to be known, so we had to kind of coax him, put himself in a position that he wants to make himself known. Otherwise, sadhana and other practices, the sadhana, the effort is everything and what you will attain by by that. That's why I say in bhakti, the effort is to attain. Grace. Bhava is a grace. You've been blessed. Krishna is inclined to do it to the sadhaka. Then you can attain bhava. The goal of sadhana is uh, 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 is bhava. The sadhya of the sadhaka is bhava, of the sadhana. Sadhana has a sadhya, a goal. The goal is bhava. How can you get bhava? Hmm? You say there's by sadhana or by grace. That's true. But the sadhana also if you study, you see the sadhana requires that Krishna, it reaches a certain point, but grace means without sadhana, he might just give it. Hmm? That's possible. He can do if he likes. And there may be an example here or there. Hmm? Sadhana means by doing the sadhana, he decides to give it to you. Hmm? Because he sees your... Earnestness and your attraction to him, and and so forth. So he he does it. He he does the sadhana. In other words, he 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 perfects your sadhana. That's what Bob is. He perfects your sadhana.
1: Hmm.
0: So this understanding is, you see, it helps us not to develop a hard heart about our ability to practice, which which you often see in novices. You See. Um, I'm better than him, you know. So I'm up earlier, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm stauncher, you know, and, and so forth. And so, If you understand it properly. Yeah. Sadhana, it's like crying out for help. Hmm. Yes? I didn't
1: have a question. I thought you were still talking I was kind of stretching my thumb
0: out. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I, have, I kind of do have a question, but kind of relevant. it's
0: irrelevant. It's irrelevant? It's relevant. I okay, think. what is it? Now you're speaking in terms of mercy, it kind of changes my perception. So I was going to say, what's, how does this holy name, what's inside of it that purifies our heart
1: and manifests love for God? Mm-hmm. Well, you said it's mercy, so it's not, not really in the holy name. Or it is in the holy name, but it's his mercy.
0: Krishna's inside the holy name. Is, is Krishna merciful? Yes. Hmm. Krishna's in the, in the, in the name is the form of Krishna's present. The, the qualities of Krishna present, the leela of Krishna is present. And in the form of the name he goes into the heart and humbly serves there as a sweeper. Hmm. Therefore the first stage of chanting cleanses the heart. So it said the name comes from the heart of a Vaishnav, it rises up to his tongue, and comes out with Krishna dancing on his tongue, and then it enters in our ear, hmm? and shh, goes into the heart, hmm? sets up shop there, and then, then does the job, work of a sweeper. Hmm? And this, when we hear that, we think Krishna's become a sweeper. Oh my God! How kind is Krishna? How I yeah, think that, that Krishna's become a sweeper. Stop it! I'm embarrassed. You're sweeping. You're, uh, I'm embarrassed to keep in my heart things that that um, that make him a sweeper. He, there should be a throne there for him, hmm? and instead he's got a broom. <laughs> so uh, then we make some effort to um. to let go, if you will, and follow the name. The name reveals I should go now in this way we follow, rather than holding on, holding back. So, what's in the name? Krishna is entirely in the name. Krishna comes into the heart, and that's a blessing. And he's very attractive, so, like I've said before, he sets up a little shop there, and he you know, early puts everybody out of business there's mega corporations set up in there with big lights and
1: yeah. you know
0: so things that appear valuable and so forth and in due course he makes them all look like what they are cheaters you know we're here to please yeah. you know uh, we're here to serve you you know <laughs> your insurance company, and so forth. <laughs> so, uh, he puts them all out of business in due course. Hmm? By remaining in your heart, despite your lack of attraction, if you're a little humble and continue chanting, if you're allowed to continue chanting, then that's, a, that's, a, that's a grace. Hmm? And gradually, he puts them all out of business. He retires them all. What he's got, his commodity is better and cheaper. So hmm. it's a winning formula. Hmm. But we've got the glare of these other possibilities with neon lights and everything. He's gone with a candle. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, according to different rasas, then Krishna's primary names all describe him in relation to different devotees, so different rasas. So that's why it's said that one will chant in Ruchi Asakti Bob favorite names. Mm-hmm. Those would be names that speak of Krishna in relation to a particular. The, the particular rasa that one develops affinity for, hmm. and they may be there may be crossovers too. Those names may apply to different rasas uh, at the same time, but they will think of them, you know, in, in relation to that particular rasa.
1: Hmm.
0: Yes. Nowadays, amongst my generation that if you want to make spiritual advancement, you have to go to India. It's a big thing you got to and I'm wondering, is, is that really going to No, it doesn't seem like, because I know someone a devotee kid who just wants to go to India to find a girlfriend, but mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't really seem like, a, is there a value to going to India? Well, I think the principle is that there's valuable in going to a holy place. And the value in going to the holy place is that you meet holy people mm-hmm. there. And um, because there are holy people in other parts of the world, it may not be necessary to go to, uh, to India. Within India, people will go to certain places on pilgrimage. Now it's really changing, but it used to be that, you know, someone... Maybe lives in South India and their Krishna, bhakta, and so they make a pilgrimage once in their life all the way to Vrindavan because you know they don't have planes or trains and somehow you know they, they make the long pilgrimage and they go there uh, So even within India, you know, there are certain places. So the, the principle is that they're going to a, to a holy place where there are sadhus, where there's that environment and so forth. There's some emphasis on the dhams, Jogunath, Puri, Vrindavan, um, Navadvip, but again, largely because there's there's an atmosphere of devotion. Now, those dhams can also recede and almost disappear. As at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. People were living in Vrindavan and they didn't know that they were really living in Vrindavan and the places of Krishna's pastimes were not Evident, marked, or anything of the sort, so that the dhams recede, and then they, and then they, become uh, manifest, visible. But what's behind that? Hmm? The absence of and the presence of great devotees. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for example, went to Vrindavan. Hmm? and then he, he you know, he he said, "Oh, this is where this is Radhakund." This is Shamakun. They weren't like big lakes or anything like that. Hmm. Then he commissioned the Rupan Sanatan and others to go to Vrindavan and excavate the places of Krishna's pastimes by their bhakti. Hmm. And so they would say, this happened here, this happened. And then great kings would come and spend money and make a monument, build a temple there, and so forth. Hmm. So the revelation of the Dham, if you will, manifestation of it. What's behind that? This is the devotee, the devotee's heart. Hmm? Um, so, the real principle is not to go to India, but to have sadhu sangha. Hmm? And even beyond going to holy places, the principle is to find the sadhus in the holy places. Therefore, when Vidura was going to go traveling on Tirtha Yatra to holy places, Yudhisthira, who was attached to him and wanted to keep him there, said, "What well, You don't need to go anywhere. You are a Tirtha. You are a holy place. A Tirtha is a crossing. Hmm? A crossing, like you cross into another dimension. A place in this world where you could cross into another dimension. But what's making it like that, again, is is, is the. Is the devotees and the, and so forth. So anyway, he told him, "Bidan, You because you carry Krishna in your heart wherever you go. That's a place of pilgrimage. So you don't need to go anywhere. You're a pilgrimage. I would, I would rather keep you here than I can always be on pilgrimage. That was his idea." But, you know, at the same time, you, you, there, Vrindavan is a very extraordinary place, Navadvip and so forth, and um, Prabhupada took us there, hmm? Prabhupada let us go to Vrindavan for three days, first time he brought his students from the West for a festival, so he could stay three days in Vrindavan only, hmm? he didn't want us to make offenses in the dom and so forth, and so kept us very busy while we were there, too. Um, and, you know, it can be counterproductive. You go to a holy place, you don't conduct yourself properly, then that's not good. So I think there's there's a higher uh, principle, and it's even said that going to Tirthas like that is just like sightseeing. Uh, what is the verse? If you don't take advantage of sadhu um, one who goes to the place of pilgrimage just to take a bath in a holy river he's got a mentality like an ass it says <clears throat> So, what to speak of going there for a girlfriend or a boyfriend <clears throat> that's not right. Well what kind of pilgrimage is that? Does that help? Yeah. Okay, well it's eight o'clock I think. I can stop there. See, see, the algebra. Okay, jai.